Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Gotta tell you about Royal Pizza. It's pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years now. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. All right, it's been a genuinely jam-packed one today. That's going to continue as we bring aboard the Athletics' Daniel Nugent Bowman to Oilers now on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Dan, thanks for taking the time today, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, always glad to be on with you. Good. Always glad to have you. Uh, let's just reset the Oilers weekend. So it was a big, like, season-defining game, I think, against Arizona. They come out on top. The big guns will them there in uh, in overtime, 3-2. And then the next night, it just looked like that zapped them uh, of all energy that they had. Koskinen was a lot weaker against Vegas. And, and they're right back basically where they started right now, uh, heading into the weekend. Fair to say? Um... Kind of, to me, I think obviously they're in a lot worse spot off in the sense that uh, uh, kind of they're, they're losing time. Uh, you know, 10 games left, uh, 7 points out, you know, the playoff uh, odds are, I think, all but gone. Uh, yeah, you're right, a big win in Arizona, but the fact that they needed to do it in overtime, allowing the Coyotes to pick up an extra point, uh, allowing them to only gain one as opposed to two, uh, did hurt them a little bit. And then, yes, as you said, you know, coming out, the way that they did against the Golden Knights, uh, uh, not uh, not great at this time of year when they when they desperately need wins. So uh, Koska, to me, looks a little uh, overrun. Uh, obviously, aside from the game that he uh, was sick against the Leafs uh, a couple where uh, about ten days ago now, uh, it's basically he has started every single game, and it just kind of looks like he's. Uh, He's been playing a little too much for for what you'd uh, hope for a goaltender to be playing at, at, at normal circumstances. And getting another back to back on consecutive days is yeah, it looked a little worse for wear yesterday. Right. So now you've got your depth being exposed not only uh, up front. The back end seems to have actually calmed down, and the minutes being a lot more uh, evenly distributed. But uh, depth and net. If uh, well, it's it's kind of a matter of if still, but but getting very close to when the Oilers are eliminated. Do and I asked John Shannon the same thing. Do we see a lot more of Anthony Stolarz as they try and get the the service time in so they can re-sign him if need be? 
Um, I, I, I think you just kind of roll with, with whatever. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is that they need to kind of also uh, figure out what they have in Koskinen. And I, I mean, I know that the, he has a, a three-year uh, extension at, at basically starters money, but you're at the point where you have to kind of figure out what type of, of goaltender you want to uh, kind of supplement or, or uh, compare him with next season. Uh, to me, uh, I mean, I know we talked about his workload. I don't think you want to play him that as, as much as he's played of late. Um, so I think you're looking at, you know, trying to find a one B goaltender. And uh, I don't uh, know if that is Anthony Stolarz. I mean, um, you know, either way, I think you know you do want to get him some games. You do want to figure out what you have in Stolarz as well. Um, but I don't think it's you know it's not like uh, there'll be teams clamoring to to sign him or to give him a big extension if you let him go uh, and be a UFA. So. Um, there's always that option to bring him back, but I think you know they're going to need somebody uh, a little bit more experienced and uh, somebody with a little more pedigree uh, to uh, kind of team up with Koskinen next season. So I don't, I don't know if that's a huge concern. I think it's just kind of going to kind of be um, whoever they, they, they deem necessary to start on that particular night. And they do have some other options as we're joined here by Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. They do have other internal options just in the form of Shane Sturette uh, if they want to bring him up next year, Al Montoya. Or, or they could go out, and we talked about this earlier, with a, a guy like maybe a Curtis McElhinney or, or something like that as a safer route. Uh, wh- what do you see them doing ultimately? Is it just going to pe- depend on the price tags that are out there in the offseason? Sorry, we're talking about goaltending positions yeah, still? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't have a name off the top of my head, but I think... You know, if you look at the the, the money that they're they're allotting to to the goaltending, um, you know, we're talking about in the four million range for for Koskinen. Um, uh, you know, a lot of teams spend upwards of you know seven or eight million million dollars on two goaltenders. So if you know, I, I know they're in a bit of a cap crunch, uh, but I think if they can get you know a, a, a goaltender at that you know two million ish range, uh, that that can play you know 30 games or something that i think that's the type of goaltender that they're going to need uh considering um koskinen hasn't really uh you know instilled a lot of confidence i don't think uh just given his kind of erratic play this season so um if they're going to try to push for a, for a playoff spot uh next year i think they do need somebody to to kind of help koskinen a little bit and, and spell him uh more than he, he's been spelled since camp tablet has been traded or was traded rather uh, Daniel, I'm watching the game last night, and on Cody Eakins' goal, he he exposed Leon Dreisaitl's lack of willingness to backcheck on some plays. Uh, for everything that Dreisaitl does offensively, that's remarkable. He's, does he have quite a bit to clean up in his defensive game? Uh, I, you know, I don't think he's perfect by any means, but I think he has gotten better over the last you know month, month and a half. Uh, uh, you know, he's been a little bit more positionally aware and uh, kind of noticing where things are on the ice uh, more than he has in the past. Like, you know, I talked to Ken Hitchcock on the previous road trip, and uh, he was talking about, you know, the spacing on the ice and a bit being kind of more conscious of, of, of positioning and where people are. And I, I think that has come to the fore throughout the last little while. But, yeah, I mean, that was obviously not a great play by him uh, that allowed Egan to go in and score. But, I mean that stuff happens, especially when you're, uh, you know, you're kind of uh, uh, down in games and frustrated and whatnot. But you know, there's, there's not necessarily making an excuse for that. But uh, there's no doubt that was not a great play. But I think over the last little while, he has kind of shown strides in that game. 
Um, and it is hard to fault somebody who's on a 100-point pace. Uh, I don't think Leon Dreisaitl is, is uh, most of their problems. So uh, there's certainly areas to clean up, and I think he's, he's, he's been slowly showing signs that he, he can do that. But, yeah, as I said, like that, that particular play was not a good one by him. We've got Daniel Nugent-Bowman on the line. He's the beat writer for the Edmonton Oilers for The Athletic. Uh, I know you've had the trip down to Bakersfield a little while back. Um, let's talk about Benson, Marodi, Yamamoto as some names that have been floated. Uh, who's who's up from Bakersfield, not even this year, Dan, but perhaps next year? Are these guys showing enough in the minor leagues that they're going to genuinely compete for a roster spot next fall? I mean, it depends on how you want to look at it. I mean, it, it's possible in terms of um, them doing enough. Like, you look at, uh, at Tyler Benson and the season that he's had, um, certainly would, would warrant some consideration. But when you look at what, um, as an example, Bob Nicholson has just talked about letting those those types of prospects overwrite, then uh, I would, you know, in, in a guy like, in a case like Tyler Benson, uh, I think it behooves the organization to leave him down there for as long as they possibly can because. Uh, he's a player that uh, had a lot of injury problems in junior. This is the first you know full season basically since Bantam, where he's had a nice run of games, uh, being healthy and been showing what he can do. So I think you want to keep giving him that confidence um, to uh, uh, continue to find his stride and and really show that when he does get a call up, he's here to stay. And I think that goes for guys like uh, like Yamamoto as well. Um, Marodi's a little bit different to me because I, you know, I don't maybe think he has quite that. I, I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, Yamamoto and, and Benson are you know high end scorers or complete high end scorers, but Marodi's more of a of a two way guy, more of a, of a kind of just two way center, defensive center per se. So he and he's a bit older as well, so he might want to uh, give him the opportunity to be. Uh, put into some games, and you might be able to yo-yo him a little bit. But for the younger players uh, like uh, Benson and, and Yamamoto, I would certainly leave them down there until they're they're really ready to to be here to stay. I'm going to float an opinion past you, and we'll end with this. Um, I'm not convinced that Ken Hitchcock is the right coach to be dealing with these young, developing players, especially like the extra young ones, like Yamamoto, for example. So, into next season, we I asked the texters on at six thirty, six thirty about whether Hitch will end up being back next season. Do you think that whoever is at the helm of the team at that point behind the bench, that that might impact the organization decision whether they have some of those guys up or or just keep them down and like you said, let them over-ripen? Uh, I, I mean, I think, who, I, let me start by saying that I, I, I'd be very surprised if Ken Hitchcock is back. I mean, just given that they're, you know, like obviously Keith Gretzky has made some nice moves and has gained some trust within the organization, but it's still, I wouldn't put him as the, you know, the favorite to be uh, returning as, as the general manager. So if you're hiring a new general manager, that usually comes with the caveat that that man can can hire his own coach, um, and I, you know, I, I, Ken Hitchcock uh, has had a couple of nice runs, but overall, I don't know if the body of work is there, and uh, certainly to, to bring him back. So I think it will kind of, you know, the new coach uh, it'll fit with kind of the, the organizational mandate of what they want to do with these younger players. And again, with with uh, Bob Nicholson kind of talking about how they want to keep them down there to uh, to overripe and to really make sure that they're comfortable. Uh, mastering the, the AHL level before they get called up. I think that's kind of the way that they're going to go, regardless of who is uh, the coach next season. All right, great stuff, Daniel, and I, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. All right, we'll see you at the rink on Thursday.
No problem. Take care, Brent. Yeah, you too. That is the Athletics' Daniel Nugent Bowman. Uh, a couple of interesting points there. So, so there you go. Dan does not think that Hitch will be back next year. Uh, a lot of people on the text line do. So we'll have to see how that plays out again. I think it's going to really hinge on who they end up hiring as general manager. Okay, it is 1.44 here in Edmonton. We're going to go around the AJHL and who's left the second round of the playoffs underway after this weekend. Who's emerging as favorites? We'll find out with Dave Dawson, the host of the AJHL Canalta uh, Coaches Show. And uh, that's coming up right after the break. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Appreciate you sticking around. 147 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott filling in for Bob Stoffer today. AJHL playoffs in full swing couple of tight North Division battles, no doubt. We're going to bring aboard the host of the Canalta Hotel AJHL Coaches Show, Dave Dawson, to talk a little bit more about that. Dave, thanks for the time today. Hey, Brendan, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, always, as always. My pleasure. So uh, what's going on around the league? It's down to the it's the second round, so we've got uh, basically the semifinal here for the North Division anyway. Um, who, who's emerging as the favorites? What's, what's the news? What's the word? Well, I think for those... We haven't followed a lot of junior A hockey or maybe even the AJHL for most of the year. Have probably heard of a team by the name of the Brooks Bandits, so we'll kind of leave them and save them best for last. And <laughs> we'll have a quick look around uh, the rest of the league. Um, Okotoks, they were the finalists last year for the Interpipeline Cup, and Spruce Grove won that. They have a 2 nothing lead right now on Camrose. Camrose won their first-round series with uh, the Calgary Mustangs. Canmore is, uh, well, they're losing 2 nothing to Brooks right now, so why not just get right into that? The Brooks Bandits, pretty much the entire year, have been the number one team in the Canadian Junior Hockey League, and they, it's actually been 111 days since the Brooks Bandits last lost a hockey game, which is ridiculous. Is ridiculous. September, October, and November, they won. They lost their three games there, and it's been just insane. Some random stats I'll throw at you here just for the sake of it. Um, they only have eight one-goal game wins all year long, four of them are which in September and October. So of their 57 wins, 60 games in the AJHL, as you know, of their 57 wins, 49 of them were multi-goal. A lot of them were 10 or 11. They had five of those. So needless to say, them being up 2 nothing on Canmore is not a surprise. They're the heavy favorites to win the league. And, of course, over the North Division, uh, Spruce Grove is up 2 nothing right now on the Bonneville Pontiacs. And Spruce Grove Saints for perennial favorites in the North Division for a number of years. And their last game against Bonneville, they were actually down 3 nothing in the first period. Bonneville scored three goals in two minutes and 56 seconds. And Spruce battled back, won in double overtime. That's a pretty exciting one there. And then one that obviously you and I are pretty familiar with, the uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders and the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. That's at a a series tied at one right now with Game 3 going tonight in Fort McMurray. And the Sherwood Park Crusaders are, are just, they're a special program to watch this year. And breaking a team record of 44 wins, and they've only been to the North Division Finals. Last time they were there was 1990, so quite a while. But uh, some pretty pretty heavily talented young men on that team. And so it's going to take a lot to knock the Brooks Bandits off, for needless to say. But I think, uh, yeah, it's been an exciting playoff so far. Yeah, and and so this is obviously Brooks's to lose out of the South. In the North, uh, the Crusaders and Mob tied one-one, and uh, Spruce Grove, who finished in third, is actually now, as you mentioned, um, with a two-zero lead over Bonneville, who. 
we're trading blows at the top of the North Division with the Crusaders all season long. Who is the favorite in the North? Is there one right now? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. If you look at the AJHL standings, let's say over the last month, there's one team that I, I don't know who they are. That's the Bonneville Pontiacs. And for, I would probably say, late October, pretty much right up until almost the end of the regular season, kind of mid February, everybody had thought, well, Bonneville, they could go just on a heater and just dominate everybody and maybe push Brooks to win the league this year and maybe not even go that far. But they're the team I kind of look at and go, with the real Pontiacs please stand up? I'm not really sure. But if you look at the Spruce Grove Saints, I think a lot of it needs to be said about them that really and truly in the last eight of the last ten AJHL finals, they've been there. They've had a 40-win season every year since 06-07, with the exception of 2012-13. The big thing for me, Spruce Grove, a lot of their top guys have been out for most of the season. Cam Mitchell, Corey Babichuk, both those guys have been out for a while. They're now back in. Babichuk is, in my opinion, one of the top puck-moving defenders, really one of those game-changing guys. He's back in the lineup. Brian Peckford, he's still out. He's had over 200 games in the WHL. So I'm looking at Spruce Grove to pretty much, I don't know if maybe five games. I think Barneyville probably could get maybe one out of them. But I would look at Spruce to come into that one. And, and yeah, when you look at Sherwood Park and Fort McMurray, that's anyone's series. It really is, Dave. So what is the upcoming schedule in these series? Yeah, so they're pretty much mirror each other. So games three and four are tonight and tomorrow night. I'll be out in Spruce Grove watching that one. And into round three, uh, that starts on Friday, uh, the 29th and the 30th. But the rest of this round is going to be tonight, tomorrow, Friday night's game five, uh, Sunday, game six, and Tuesday, March 26th, will be game seven. And I think uh, very likely the Fort McMurray-Sherwood Park series, I would imagine, would probably won't be the only one that I would think would maybe go seven games. So let me ask you this. Uh, who, who does... <laughs> Who does who do they not want to see? If you're coming out of of the uh, Crusaders and Oil Baron series, which is going to be very hotly contested, who do you not want to see on the other side? If you're Sherwood Park or Fort McMurray, yeah, I, I I would think that it's funny. Both teams, both Sherwood Park and Fort McMurray, are fairly similar programs, and I would I would maybe give a bit of the edge to Sherwood Park just in the level of game breaking ability and speed. Fort McMurray is a talented team; they have the horses, but I would think if On their best day, the Sherwood Park Crusaders likely finished first in the North, obviously. So uh, in a matchup with the Crusaders, they played well against Spruce Grove all year, but they also haven't seen Spruce Grove since 2018. They played all six of their games since then. So uh, I would think Bonneville might actually be a better matchup for them just because in a speed game, I'd give an edge to Sherwood Park. Spruce Grove, hey, the Sherwood Park Crusaders can beat the Spruce Grove Saints. It's been done. But I would think on a matchup-wise, especially how physical – this series with Fort McMurray has been, and with how taxing it'll feel by the end, I think the Spruce Grove Saints team maybe is a matchup that, you know, I would think might not be as better suited as maybe a Bonneville matchup would be. All right, and quickly, Dave, so the winners of, so you win the North, you go on to play uh, what's looking like it's going to be Brooks, and then what happens when you win the AJHL? You play the BC, right? Yeah, then you're off to the uh, the Doyle Cup, and then uh, I guess the situation that likely would be the best for the AJHL, the Brooks Bandits are hosting what used to be the RBC Cup and now the National Junior A Championship, so they're going to be there anyway. So if you're the AJHL, I'd, I would think it almost would be better suited if Brooks loses in the league final because then that gives another representative of their team a chance 
to win the Doyle, which then they would automatically get a spot in the National Junior A Championship. But if the Brooks Bandits win the league, then that representative from the DCHL automatically gets the berth in the National Junior A Championship in May. All right, Dave, I really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you around the rink, okay? All right, Scott. Always a pleasure. And thanks. That is Dave Dawson. He is the host of the Canalta Hotel AJHL Coaches Show, giving us an update on the playoffs. All right. To this day in Oilers history, it's brought to you by New West Travel. You can ask about their destination wedding packages and corporate employee rewards trips. Visit newwesttravel.com for more information. On this day in 1988, Craig McTavish scores his 100th career NHL goal and Bill Ramford stops 24 shots to record his first win as an Oiler in Edmonton's 4-1 win against the Winnipeg Jets. Australian Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Call about their destination wedding packages and corporate employee rewards trips. Visit newwesttravel.com for more information. A couple quick texts we'll get to before we wrap it up. This from Keith and Wainwright. He says, what's your thought on uh, on the idea if a team like Ottawa would be interested in taking on Lucic and a first-rounder to free up the $6 million? That would be a win for us. Uh, yeah, I, I think that for the Oilers, that might be an option that they'd weigh. But if you're Milan Lucic with your no-movement clause, is Ottawa somewhere you're going to want to go? Is that Are you going to waive your, your movement clause there? I don't know. That was something that I proposed at the deadline, though. So it, is it possible? Absolutely. Does Ottawa need to get to the cap floor? Oh, yeah. A lot. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. We'll say that. Coming up tonight on 6.30, Chet, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins from 6 to 8 p.m. And speaking of the AJHL, he's got one of their veterans, Colton Pareko. We'll be joining him tonight, so tune into that again, 6 to 8. Tomorrow, Bob returns. Yes, you're rid of me for another stretch of hockey here. Stoffer Inspector tomorrow for the horses. Horse Racing Alberta, who remind you, the brand new Century Mile Racetrack opens up on April 1st. Up next, a news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Brendan Escott here today. Appreciate you sticking around. We'll connect again soon. So long from the 6.30 Chet Studios. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chet.